Welcome to the 100 Entrepreneurs Podcast, created to provide veterans and their family members with information, ideas, and inspiration for starting new businesses. This is Amanda Weathersby for 100 Entrepreneurs Foundation. We talk with entrepreneurs and small business experts to learn more about their industries and their lessons learned in creating and growing new businesses. Thank you for joining us. With me today is James Horace, also known as Jamie. He is a veteran, and he has a, co- a company, two companies, really. Is it two companies, a hops farmer as well as a brewing company? And we're going to ask him about that. And uh, let's just get started. Hi, Jamie. It's very nice to have you here to talk to us today. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, not a problem, Amanda. Thank you for having me. Uh, after my... A uh, little talk down at Fort Belvoir. I uh, really enjoyed it down there with the 100 Entrepreneurs Project and meeting you and uh, Bob and everything was fantastic. So this is another opportunity for me, so I appreciate it. Well, thanks. Thank you. Well, so tell us about your background. Uh, did you always want to be an entrepreneur? You've, wanted to, you've been an entrepreneur for a little while now. Has, has this always been your goal? Uh, no. I, uh, oddly enough, I mean, I've always uh, uh, very typically not... Uh, growing up, you know, I was hard-headed and, you know, pretty standard for the, uh, for the wayward boys that joined the Army. Um, I, I was more than happy to stay in the Army for the rest of my life uh, when I was 20 years old. I was like, oh, I like this. I like it here. There's rules for everything. It's very orderly, yada, yada, yada. Um, and it made sense, uh, given my <laughs> um, uh, colored past before the Army. I, I think that was what I needed. Um, unfortunately, you know, when you're in combat arms, you are at the mercy of whoever's slinging bullets at you. So my uh, tenure got cut awfully short. Um, so when doctors were telling me I'd never be able to take a PT test again, uh, life in the infantry just sort of dried up very quickly. Um, and that's, so it, it, it was a crisis moment, like, what do you do now? And, you know, you're 24 years old, uh, getting out of the Army, and you have no plan to do so. So you're already behind the curve of most of your peers. Uh, at that age, and uh, you know, so I had I had five years in the infantry. Then I did, uh, I guess, I finished undergrad in two and a half years. But I got a degree in political science. Uh, <laughs> so after you, when you have an infantry background in political science, you know, you you, you tell yourself the uh, employment market is going to be banging down your door. But the reality of it is that you're the one knocking on doors, and you're getting perpetually ignored. Um, I had to start a company to get a job. Uh, <laughs> so, wow. uh, yeah. Um, and that was, uh, that was a friend of mine who's also a veteran. Uh, we got brought in as a in part of a pharmaceutical startup and, you know, we had it was up and down companies back and forth for a few years. Uh, the brewery started, um, kind of organically. We, uh, we started a hops farm on my sister's property, uh, my mother and I, because uh, we were the only one in the area, uh, and it was all going to be USDA certified organic hops. So uh, we got the property approved for that. Uh, we had uh, Virginia Tech come out and do a whole bunch of soil studies and everything to give us some uh, bona fides, and uh, we just started growing. And uh, a lot of the local brewers used it and liked it. Uh, but when you're farming, especially if it's a it's a seasonal small yield crop. You know, we only had three arable acres, which is large for a local hop yard, but not large on an industrial scale. 
uh, it's pretty difficult to get into the black. Uh, so after a couple of years of that, it's like, well, now what? Um, and we ended up concluding, well, let's start a brewery. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the MBA in the family, so I'm looking at sort of very analytical, like, okay, let's, let's uh, get a bird's eye view of this and figure out how we're going to do it. Meanwhile, uh, my partners are like, nope, just go ahead, just push forward. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be voice of reason, uh, however, try to keep up with the, uh, the freight train. Um, so uh, we, we got very lucky uh, with the location. Um, and I started making a lot of relationships locally because small town, Northern Virginia is still a small town. Um, mm-hmm. and you, there, there is small town politics and small town personalities and, you know, they're, they don't like outsiders, which at that point, I guess technically we were. Uh, so we started really just making a lot of meaningful relationships and that's what solidified us in town. So we did well. Um, and that, that was open for, I guess, I guess technically three years, but practically two. Um, COVID ended up, uh, to just, you know, yanked it right out from underneath us. Uh, actually we had to close really? the door. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, I got the phone call for that a few weeks ago. Um, I was like, well, what, what happened? You know, and we were, you know, turning out a profit. We were doing well, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the landlords want their rent. And, uh, yeah. it was right, it was right at the beginning where people weren't even, I mean, now they have, uh, curbside pickup. Uh, but at the time, it was uh, everyone, uh, I think the Virginia governor, you know, said something, stay at home, close your doors, don't go out. You know, everyone is, in, people have more or less adjusted, so that way they still go out when they need to. Uh, delivery has gone through the roof. I don't know about Virginia, but uh, it got to the point where, you know, we, we couldn't float uh, a month underwater. Um, it just wasn't going to happen. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And did, and, you, uh, apply even, for, did you apply for some of the small business loans and things like that that were being offered by the government or by banks? Uh, I don't actually know. I'm not actively uh, participating in it. I'm not, I'm not actually allowed to actively participate in it anymore just because of my uh, current position as a financial advisor. Um, ah. But uh, from what I could understand, it was uh, the landlords have been trying to get us out of the building for some time um, just because, I don't know. Uh, they seem to be in the property flipping business, not so much as the holding. And, uh, you know, so we were doing well as long as conditions were right. Uh, but it was, uh, the model was not made to withstand a rapid correction in the market and let alone a quarantine. So, um, you know, and I think what that really did was just bring out whether or not people are like, and it's just what I spoke about down at Fort Belvoir. Uh, you need to be able to pivot and adapt and adjust. And a lot of companies are. I know a lot of local uh, breweries, I don't know about Virginia, uh, but up here, I'm currently locked down in Pennsylvania. <laughs> um, a lot of, oh. uh, yeah, I mean, people here, they're still available for, just about everybody can deliver, same with Maryland. Um, and then I think alcohol needs to be on premises, but I think they're, <laughs> they're deemed as essential so people can go in and out. Um, I, w- I wasn't sure about Virginia, but, you know, either way, it was a, try to eke out a living through this, in which case we wouldn't be turning a profit. We might be able to make it at cost for uh, food deliveries. Um, but alcohol was probably going to dry up, and that was our bread and butter. So it, I think we were postponing the inevitable, trying to stay open. Mm-hmm. So I think it's uh, more or less liquidation stage now, which is you know not a bad thing. There's uh, quite a bit in there. But, you know, it's a, this is that part of the journey I told you about, uh, how to get fat on humble pie. Um, 
Yeah. It happens. I mean, you can, you know, we were a profitable firm a month and a half ago. Yeah, yeah but it's interesting that uh, a firm, there is something to the idea that you don't hold on too long. If it's, you know, because of things beyond your control, your business is shuttered. There, yeah. There is something to be said for saying, okay, let's stop now rather than let it bleed for a while and then... You know what I mean? But interesting that you say that. Well, it, I mean, this might sound a bit uh, off-color or cold, but, it, I mean, it's like looking at a, you know, somebody in critical condition or on life support when you know the outcome. It's just a matter of when. You know, do you, <laughs> do, do you extend the suffering or, you know, do you do the hard thing and, you know, wrap it up? Now, I'm not, no, I'm not saying that to uh, dissuade anybody from going through the hard times. I think if it's a possibility and it just boils down to elbow grease and, you know, stiff upper lip and by all means. But uh, when it comes yeah. down to dollars and cents sometimes, you got to take the calculated uh, outlook. And this was just a decision by the partners. I mean, I'm hard-headed enough. I probably would have said, no, we can do it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it wasn't up to me. And like I said, I'm not actually an active member in the organization, so I had no say in it one way or the other. Um, so I just sort of gave, like, my tertiary counsel to it and said, well, you know, uh, yeah, you can either exit now with uh, a few bucks or you can exit later with potentially zero. Um, and, you know, and it was an adventure. You know, I mean, none of us had any brewing background or anything. This was a complete shoot from the hip enterprise. Um, we all took the risk. We all knew what it was going in. And, it, you know, it lasted three years. We made it out of the first year, which is the hardest part for any firm. Um, mm-hmm. And we were on our way up. So, what would it have been if it wasn't for coronavirus? Who knows? Uh, I'm not going to bother losing any sleep on that. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's what happened. And there's not a lot I can do about that. And, I mean, it, and uh, you know, when you start a business, you're, like, uh, it, it's, you're, you're nurturing an organism. I mean, you're, you're raising a kid when you are starting a business. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you, you can sit there and set short hours and just limit yourself to what you're going to put into it if you want. But if you put that into the lens of raising a kid, what are you going to get? You know, not very much. So, uh, yeah, we did what everything we could and uh, worked hard, and sometimes it doesn't work. And uh, I, I'm not going to assume that I can cuss on here, but, you know, uh, stuff happens. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah it's, uh, that, that I think uh, reacting to that in a proactive manner is about as good as you can get to a pivot in this sort of situation. Um, but other companies, um, I'm really happy to see, are they can positively affect their situation uh, through that pivoting I was talking about. I know people that are making more money on merchandise right now by delivery than they are by their food and booze. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's because wow. it's a part of their adaptation. You know, they're like, well, we have a screen printer on board who's also a partner. Let's let's do that. <laughs> so they, mm-hmm. you know, get in touch yeah. with their customers, and the customers are like, oh yeah, I'm going to help. You know. That's a, it's a cool situation. Yeah. I, think it's a, I think it's an interesting study right now what's going on in the small business world. Uh, I'd say more often than not, they're suffering, but uh, it's, still, it's still pretty wild to see the ingenuity factor from the human element come out with all these companies and just really, you know, just it's their time to uh, differentiate themselves. I mean, you see, like, you know, Amazon and Netflix, they're not doing anything different. <laughs> you know, this is their time. Like, this is their golden hour. I mean, everybody's locked at home. Are you kidding me? Hell yeah, let's, you know, roll it out. So good for them. But it's the, uh, yeah. it's the smaller firms that are really having to tr- like change direction here. Those are the ones that I like to watch. 
Mm-hmm. Interesting, yeah. So are you thinking about reopening the brewery at some point, or are you going to move on to a different area of business? Um, right now, I think the hop yard is going to continue growing in the next spring, or this spring, mm-hmm. rather, because um, it's, it's still there. And, you know, uh, I, can, I can wax botanical all day about hops, but at the end of the day, they're a weed. So uh, they're not going anywhere unless we kill them. <laughs> so every year, they're going to come back. Um, it's the, uh, yeah, the, there was talk about having a, a farmer, a farm set up, you know, cause they have the farm breweries and everything for people that actually grow their own hops. Uh, there was talk about that. Uh, of course we need to construct a new building on site to do so. Um, so we're not quite there yet. Um, my pessimist self is saying it's probably not going to happen. Um, but optimism says, yeah, sure. Why not? Um, mm-hmm. I'd say if there's a future for the company, I would, I would go into, uh, consulting as far as hop yard management is concerned because, um, there are a lot of people, uh, with a lot of land that given the new interest rates is worth just about nothing. So they are, and this has been for the last few years, they have been actually wanting to produce large tracts of unused land in the farmland for, you know, among other things, tax write-off, uh, or, uh, tax benefits. Um, but, you know, the, the beer industry is growing by, you know, several hundred million dollars a year. I think that, like, I don't even remember what the hell the number is now. It's astronomical. Um, mm-hmm. The beer industry isn't going anywhere uh, with or without coronavirus. So um, basically that would be the most or the, the least cost-intensive thing up front <laughs> with the most revenue potential. And once again, whether or not that happens, uh, that's not really my... Uh, that's not really my decision, uh, just because of what I'm doing now. But uh-huh. again, it's interesting. It's interesting to watch. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it is an interesting question. Uh, there have been recessions before, of course, and even the mm-hmm. depression. And there are a lot of small businesses that closed. And uh, yet, when you look at the numbers a lot of start, small businesses start to open up after uh, the recovery starts. And yep. people need places to go out to eat, for example, and they need, apparently they need to drink beer. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, people can want to social distance with the medical, you know, agenda all they want to. And I understand that medically speaking, it's a safe thing to do, but that doesn't take away from the fact that we're social beings and that's going to end up winning at the mm-hmm. end. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't know, I guess my opinion on what the courses of action have been so far are relevant. It's just, uh, I'm, I'm more inclined to assume the inevitability of our nature will take over, which uh, is not always the quote unquote right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're social creatures, and whether we want to admit it or not, that's going to win over the social distancing thing. So, yeah, you can bet that uh, bars, restaurants are going to open right up. I mean, as a matter of fact, this is an amazing staging opportunity for people that have wanted to get into the market because, you know, the small business market was pretty saturated here for the last few years. I think you'd agree, um, whether it's breweries or restaurants or whatever. I mean, you could throw a rock and run a Virginia hit five breweries. Um, and they and they all had their own stake. I mean, they were all doing fine. Um, but right now, you're seeing the powerhouses staying open, the ones that are, had a better foothold uh, and better adaptability. But you're also going to see a huge 
segment of that market is going to be empty from all of those other ones that have gone under. And that's when the new guys get to come in and, and come into the ring with the old guys. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see again, you know, especially like whatever legislation comes out of the pipe from this whole flu thing or COVID, coronavirus, whatever you want to call it. Um, I call it bat flu. I guess people don't like that, but whatever. Um, uh, seeing what happens there, I think, is going to really set the stage for what happens in the whole industry because they got talks about, you know, uh, Amazon and Facebook are going to start implementing company-wide policies, social distancing from here on out. You know, it's not because it's a legal thing. It's just what they're going to do. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, so everyone in the office stays six feet apart and wear a mask for the rest of their employment? Okay. You know, if that ends up becoming legislation at any level, you know, what are people going to do? You know, does that mean salons are never going to exist anymore? <laughs> you know, so it's yeah. uh, definitely a weird time. It's not boring, yeah. though, so that's nice. <laughs> there you go. Uh, there's that optimism part. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, they, no, it's uh, not boring. I did look up, <coughs> pardon me, after 9-11, uh, mm-hmm. tra- travel dropped off the, you know, every, nobody got on airplanes for 18 oh, yeah. months, but then they started right back up after 18 months. So uh, I, I was intrigued by that. I wonder, you know, how how much you can extrapolate from one recession to another, you know, <laughs> different yeah. causes, different issues, et cetera. So, so, so you um, are now working, are you an entrepreneur in your financial business at this point, or are you working with a firm? And uh, what, what are your plans going forward in entrepreneurship? Uh, my, my bread and butter, my, you know, my day-to-day, I, I'm a fiduciary, I'm a financial advisor uh, with Equitable Advisors, and I work for a small team out of Columbia, Maryland. Um, mm-hmm. So it's all... Uh, full comprehensive financial planning, investing, all that. Um, but once once I clock out from work, you know, I I'm, I always got this itch. So I've I've got a consulting firm on the back burner right now, especially, um, basically helping startups from from seed to first and second round funding. Um, over the years, I've developed, especially during business school, my my Rolodex has gotten pretty fat and pretty valuable. Um, just uh, so uh, my network is probably one of my most valuable assets right now. So I'm like, okay, well, how can I how can I like leverage this? And I realized that over the years, through my weird little misadventures of Jamie Horace, you know, I've 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 carved out uh, these little independent niches in all these different areas. You know, whether it's the veteran community, small business, brewing, you know, you, you name it, finance, Hopkins, it doesn't matter. I mean, like whatever thing I've touched, I've generally liked where I was, and I got to know a lot of people. Um, and what goes along with that is I know a lot of the you know, movers and shakers, and then more importantly, at least as far as I'm concerned, there's a lot of, a lot of people that, you know, I've seen so many people have these great ideas for businesses, you know, told to me in confidence, you know, or through a non-disclosure agreement or whatever. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Why, why aren't you pursuing this? And more often than not, it boils down uh, to it's, I'd say 90% of the time, it's time and or money which is the biggest fact, limiting factor. And sometimes it's just not knowing enough people. And I understand that, you know, especially if you run a tech firm or something, you're not going to get anywhere without any money. You need the money to develop the technology and the equipment, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, of course, most people are gainfully employed while we've come up with these ideas. And it's a massive, massive risk to leave that, uh, to pursue something that might not work. 
especially if you've got a family. I mean, I mean, if uh, if I came home one day and told my wife, "Hey, I'm quitting. I'm going to start something else," I think she'd stare at me kind of blankly, like I just told her the sky is green, and then she would ask me to say it again just to make sure she heard me correctly, and then she'd probably like sit there and be like, okay, I want you to go sit in the corner and think about what you did. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> it's, uh, you know, when you, when you have people depending on you uh, on any level, it's, the risk is a lot more real than if it was just you because you're bored um, or you want something new to shake up your life. Um, so I figured that all these people need all these things that, you know, I can't actually lend them lots of money. I don't have it. Um, <laughs> that's not what I can provide. I can't reset their clocks. I can't add on a few hours in a day. Um, however, what I can do is, you know, teach them all these valuable lessons learned, all the ethic I've had to deal with that so they won't have to. Um, and that's actually helped quite a few of my buddies uh, from business school. Like, I'm going to do something on the side. What do you recommend? And I, I basically wrote it down on a napkin, you know, things to do, things not to do. Yeah, here you go. And that's helped them on their way. I get personal thank you notes. Like, oh, man, if it wasn't for you, I'd probably be under. I'm like, well, good, glad it helped. Um, you know, but working for free is working for free. You know, it's, it's, it's like free advice. It's, it's worth what you pay for it type of thing. So I'm like, all right, well, how can I leverage this? Because my, my resources are, are much farther than what I help these people with. You know, all the way from, you know, I know a lot of venture capitalists, uh, people in private equity firms, uh, commercial banking, uh, you know, business plan construction, evaluation, uh, you know, just executive summaries, introductions, scientists, you name it. I mean, I found myself in a really nice position as far as a part-time for now uh, position is concerned that I could do this, you know, very fairly quickly without too much um, effort or time on my part. And I can actually help businesses grow just by introducing them to the people that can uh, physically do it. Um, because otherwise they'd never, they'd never find each other. Um, and I felt, I felt weird about that for a while. I'm like, is that like a, am I like a ticket scalper at this point? <laughs> and it's like, well, no. I mean, that's how business thrives. I and mean, I, I was, I felt weird about it until I uh, got really into my financial advisory career. Because, you know, most business, by one means or another, is referral based. You know, everybody hates lawyers except they're a lawyer, Right. Like, oh, lawyers are terrible. Oh, but my guy's awesome. And the same thing with accountants, and the same thing with financial advisors, and the same thing with, you know, you name it. I mean, most people only have a PlayStation because they had that one friend that had a PlayStation first. So business is driven by referrals. So I was like, oh, through that lens? I'm like, I don't know why I felt weird at all. I think it's a great idea. So that's, like I said, at the back burner, but uh, I think that's definitely my future here uh, coming up shortly. Um, but in the meantime, I'm just a... Uh, I'm grinding away as a financial advisor in a, uh, <laughs> a downward market. <laughs> but, uh, uh-huh. yeah, that's my, that's my current situation. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's a downward market, which is someday going to be an upward market, right? <laughs> so, yep, that's the idea. Yep, yeah. So, okay, so that's a really interesting point that – you have a very vast network of people. Everywhere you've been, you've collected names and addresses, and you probably look at them and know a lot about them, like where do they live and you know who their wife is or their kid is or whomever. Uh, and that's all a wonderful product of networking. 
And so if you wanted to invest, find investors, pardon me, for a new business that you dreamed up, that you would use your network for that, right? And if you wanted to launch a new product, a new consulting business, you would use your network, correct? Uh, yeah, 100%. So it's extremely I mean, like, valuable. Like, yeah, I mean, like, like sourcing something, especially at that level, uh, cold is. Um, I, I tell people this a lot. You, regardless of what side of the table you're on, you're selling something. Um, so let's say you have this great idea, and you want to find funding for it, right? You have to sell that idea to people, um, which is great, and that shouldn't be a problem, especially if you believe in your product or your service. Uh, however. If it's to a stranger, if it's a cold introduction, or a, it's just a, a, we call it a cold call, right? If you just call up a venture capital firm that you Googled, hey, I have an idea. Okay. You intend, like, I think it's, what is it, 4,000 business plans a year land on any venture capitalist desk? You know? Okay, so you're one in, one in 4,000. Let's, let's see what you got. And, you know, they don't mean to be, it's not like it's a personal, I'm disenchanted with you already. It's uh, why you? And, you know, that's where the big marketing comes in, you know, you know, why buy, why buy you, why buy you now? Um, and that's, that's just part of the game. But if you already know somebody that can introduce you because they have a good relationship, that person, just by sheer human nature, is going to be more open to it. You know, picture this. Mm-hmm. A stranger shows up at your door at dinner time. Who the hell are you? <laughs> However, mm-hmm. if the friend you invited brings their plus one, say, hey, welcome, come on in. Um, yeah. And that's, and that's, you know, that's just how it works. Uh, whether they told you the plus one's coming or not, you're all automatically going to be more open to that person just because of attachment to that, uh, the intermediary. Um, so, yeah, if you can find somebody that can help you in any direction, do it. Uh, trying to go it alone is it's doable, sure. I mean, so is walking on your hands, but that's not the best way to get there. You know what I mean? Um, you might mm-hmm. want to reevaluate, like, hey, just, you know, swallow some pride, eat some of that humble pie real quick, and reach out for help. See if there are people that can introduce you. And sometimes you can't. Sometimes there isn't any help. Sometimes your network is not big enough. It's not wide enough. You, you just don't – maybe you, you just – you don't know anybody that can introduce you. Now what? You know, honestly, I'd say go out and find people that could. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, yeah, collecting a huge network has easily been the best thing I've ever done uh, as far as my career is concerned, and, and maintaining the relationships as well. You know, remember their birthdays, remember their names, throw them a follow-up email occasionally. People remember things like that, and it works out 100%, and it just takes an extra five seconds. Uh, so it's uh, back to that planning, you know, always plan on what you're going to do. Shooting from the hip is fun, and it's sexy, but... Uh, well, you have just the likelihood of shooting yourself in the foot <laughs> as you do as hitting mm-hmm. your target. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, interesting. Uh, so, all right, you just mentioned if you, if you don't know somebody who can introduce you, then you go find somebody who can introduce you. So how would you do that? How do you go about that? You've obviously done it <laughs> because you've yeah. done so many of these interesting things. Um, one thing I found is that Whatever you're looking for is out there. There's so many groups, and I mean, and on social media in real life, uh, my a friend of mine, uh, still a good friend, he's uh, running a radio show down in Miami now. For, you know, this is what he's doing. 
but he set up, uh, it was called America's Venture Capital. Uh, and because he used to work out in Silicon Valley, uh, way back when he worked for a law firm, he's a JD out of Berkeley and that's how he got into venture capital. So it's very high, like very high intensity, very high volume stuff. And he's always on one side of the deal or the other, um, trying to, it's, it's all about deal flow, right? Uh, from seed to funding to production to everything. Um, and that's what, and I met him at, uh, at Hopkins, uh, during an MBA program. And, uh, He's a hell of a personality. I mean, if you think I'm interesting to talk to, good God, this guy would talk your ear off. I mean, he's, he's an awesome guy. And he said, hey, I'm, I'm throwing an event. Do you want to come? I said, yeah, I said, yeah sure. <laughs> you know, I was like, well, and this is before we were friends. It was like he just saw me in class. And he, I said, yeah, what is it? I think I'm setting up a venture capital conference. And this is before I knew anything about him. I said, yeah, all right, man, sure. And I showed up to this thing, and he held it down at, a, I guess, uh, American University down in D.C., and I walk into this thing, and it was just packed. I think he had like 50-some-odd speakers, all of whom were from up and down the East Coast, from New York, Boston, D.C., uh, down in Miami. I mean, he had like D.C. people that he knew through other people out in California, and he just, you know, all he did was put in the work. And he's like, you know, it took me six months or three months to set this up. It was, it was damn near impossible, and, you know, setting up the event was easy. It's just calling and renting space and then figuring out how to price the tickets. But what I did was I sat there and made phone calls. The like, hey, are you interested in this? Hey, are you interested in that? You know, he had a value proposition for the venture capitalist, and that was he was going to have a pitch competition. You know, it's a shark wow. Yeah, it was awesome. So I, I was like, yeah, I'll go. You know, why not? Uh, this is right when I started. I guess this is uh, last year at some point. I just started at my current firm. Um, I was still in school. I'm busy as hell. I'm like, you know, I want to go to D.C. So I went down there, and it was, it was amazing. It was great, and it was just, and all it was was through effective networking. I mean, he didn't. I mean, he he knew what he was doing through his uh, prior experience, but he didn't know all these people until he wanted to know them. Uh, people don't realize that it's pretty easy to get to know somebody. Um, you just got to say hi, and you know it's, it's nothing sometimes, especially in a digital age. It's pretty weird, you know, getting a random LinkedIn message or or what have you. Um, but that's that's once again part of the risk, you know? And he ended up getting like, all these recruiters from the East Coast there. I said, holy hell, this is great. And, um, you know, after working in small business and financial advisory, I'm basically a professional network eventer, you know? I know exactly what I'm doing. You know, show up, I got a pocket full of business cards and doing the whole thing. But this, mm-hmm. I wasn't trying to pitch anybody. I didn't have my, I didn't have, uh, you know, like I wasn't thinking, sling financial advice here. My, my goal there is I want to get to know these people in venture capital because I think it's amazing. I think it's a great industry. I think it's just fun and high pace and awesome. So I just sat there and sat down to all of them and talked to them when they weren't up on the panel. Yeah, it's easy. I mean, you, if you're in a, if you're in a social setting by any, by any lens, you know, in this case is a gigantic uh, venture capital conference, uh, they're expecting to talk to people. Um, in fact, you're obliged to do so. That's why you're there. So if you look at it that way, talk to people is easy. Hey, how's it going? Jamie Horace. Like, great. Hey, how are you? I'm XYZ. And then we just chit-chat. Boom. I left, mm-hmm. I left that place with like 100 new buddies. It was great. <laughs> and, that, yeah, and then you know, I, I, I had to use them. I don't sit there. I don't call them up. Hey, I got this great deal for you. I don't use them for their professional capacity. I just keep in touch with them as people. And that has that's the super valuable part 
So, I mean, if you're looking to expand or, or if you're looking to become an entrepreneur or roll something out, get started now. Just go out and meet people. I mean, and, and another thing, you can meet a random person that could introduce you to someone really important. I mean, make it targeted. Don't make it targeted, but get out there and be social because business revolves around the people involved. Um, so I got bad news for you. If you consider yourself a super introvert or you hate people, uh, you're probably <laughs> in the wrong line of work if you want to be an entrepreneur. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I'd, I'd just just reach out, meet people, use LinkedIn, use Facebook, uh, use the networking events. I don't love those because everybody's there just for their own agenda. But um, you know, I mentioned that that venture capital conference. They have lots of those. There's pitch competitions in every state, all over the place. I know an angel investor out of San Diego, and he basically drives for a living, makes good money, and he's he's involved in the angel investment space in tech. But he gets. Mm-hmm deals from all over the country. And he's like, yeah, well, I guess, okay, yeah, so I'll drive. <laughs> so, I mean, I met him at the Venture Capital Conference. He's been on the road for four days. <laughs> I'm like, what? Wow. what are you talking about? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's wild. But, I mean, people are pretty adaptive, and I think you just got to open up a little bit and put some rubber on the road, and you can, you can make waves. I think it's really inspiring to see stuff like that. That's great. I love the. Yeah. I love what you said about uh, you don't keep touch in touch with them as potential leads. You keep touch in touch with them as people. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that's just great. Yeah, makes a big yeah, well, difference. I mean, it's, well, it's oh, hundred percent. But it's also evident when you do that. You know, if you're only keeping in touch with somebody just because of you know, like, oh, they're a current client, and I want more from them, or I want a referral, or whatever. Mm-hmm. You, you can't get around that. It's going to come out in the conversation, you know. Like, hey, it's Jamie. Oh, hey, Jamie, what's up? Oh, nothing. Oh, say, uh, real quick. Like, all right, here it comes, you know. Which, you know, yeah. if it's mutually beneficial, is that's fine. But you know, if you want, if if you want to maintain a relationship because of them as people, then you have to treat them as people. In other words, your friends. Mm-hmm. You know, I got a friend that's a lobbyist. I'm not sitting there and asking him for intros to like wealthy politicians. I just go and hang out with them and make stuff out of wood. That's what we do together as friends. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like we, we could both be very valuable to one another, but that's not why we're friends. Um, yeah. So I think that's also a pretty important lesson. Mm-hmm. That's great. Well, so it sounds like you use some social media. I just oh yeah because networking networking I think of as the going out there and meeting people, but mm-hmm. it sounds like you use both. Oh yeah. Um, I'd say, uh, love it or hate it, social media is here to stay. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, that was a problem with the uh, with the brewery was there was almost no uh, social media presence up until you know the last six months or months or so. Just because mm-hmm. oh, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to do that. Like, well, I, I, nobody cares if you want to. You have to. I don't want to deal with a <laughs> banker, but I, I have to. You know, <laughs> and. Uh, but yeah, so it's part of everybody's life, and there's a right and wrong way to do it. Um, mm-hmm. I would say, as long as it's relevant material, I'd say that LinkedIn is probably your best uh, best friend in that space, uh, because people expect it to be professional and valuable when they're on LinkedIn. Uh, mm-hmm. If they want a funny meme or a goofy hang in there picture with a cat hanging from a tree or whatever, they'll go on Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if they want a goof, if they want a goofy meme. Um, about something, they'll go to Instagram. But if you want to build value for your company, um, I would say 
especially if it's tech, you know, like brewery operations or whatever, it's very visual, you know, you, so you want an Instagram presence or whatever, but generally speaking, LinkedIn is where you should be um, mm-hmm. because not only can you generate a lot of relationships and connections digitally through that medium, um, you can also put your platform out there for other professionals to see. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, the social media, I spend probably three or four hours a week on mostly LinkedIn. Um, mm-hmm. I have a Facebook business page as well, but I don't pay attention to it because Facebook, God, that site. It's run like a 19, like a, like early 90s, like Chinese, uh, like e-commerce site. It's terrible. It just, uh, I can't stand it. I don't, I, I, I have it auto-populate my, my uh, posts on Facebook, um, but mm-hmm. I'm active on LinkedIn probably about four hours a week. And anywhere from That's 45 right. minutes to an hour, you know, four or five days a week. Um, I usually great. do it in the morning. I'll sit there and try to find relative content that people, you know, and I know who my audience is, but the world, it's, you know, it's all of my connections. You know, they don't want to see things about, uh, you know, like shoes yeah. that I'm interested in or whatever. They want to see stuff about business <laughs> and about finance. So, um, yeah, yeah. So it's, 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 uh, you gotta, you gotta do it smart. You have to plan it. Um, once again, shooting from the hip is, it's fun, but it's not necessarily effective and it can, be potentially harmful. So, you know, take your time, figure out what you're going to do, figure out what you want to say and how to say it, and then, and then execute. It all rolls back to okay. planning, you know. If you have social media, how are you going to use it? Um, mm-hmm. And that's a pretty, I'd say it's a pretty decent part of my marketing is on social media, whether I like it or not. Okay, so now how does the military prepare you for being an entrepreneur? And a networker, a very good networker. How, how does the military prepare you for that? Uh, preparing me to be an entrepreneur, I'd say once I got my stripes, once you get a little bit of leeway off the leash um, and you get to think for yourself a little bit, um, you know, uh, you'd be given a task. And then, you know, once they're not treating you with kids' gloves and it's like, look, just get it done. You have to be able to think on your feet. Um, and you have to be relatively independent because, you know, I'm not going to go and, like, ask my my first-line supervisor, a question about every single thing, every single time I don't know something. You know, the Army's been around a long time. There's lots of things in there. I don't know most of them. Um, so there's a lot of just you got to learn as you go. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, um, and, you know, you mess up sometimes. Right? You don't sign a form. You don't whatever. Um, whatever the thing may be, you're probably going to get your, uh, your butt chewed out a few times along the way. You know, so just take your licks. Learn from your mistakes. Uh, you know, mistakes, pain, and humiliation are far and away the most effective learning tools uh, for the human condition. I'm not going to say they're the healthiest, but they are the most effective, and that is proven and inarguable. Um, so, you know, don't don't go looking for punishment, or or don't try to make mistakes. By all means, try to get it right. But if you make a mistake, you know what went wrong. Figure it out. Learn from it. So. That is definitely how they prepare me for that. As far as effective networking is concerned, I got zero <laughs> preparation uh, from the Army uh, because, you know, the Army is a very rigid bureaucracy. So, it's you know, whoever has the biggest set of rank wins. Um, you know, if I went to uh, – like, there's very little that you – know, oh, I met, I met another sergeant in a cavalry regiment. Like, okay. There is zero overlap between our jobs. 
there is no referral system. Like I, I can't go to my first sergeant and say, Hey, I'm at this other V like E five over there. He's really cool. You know, if, if I don't get punched in the face, I'll get a really confused look like who cares? What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, so effective networking, um, I'm sure it does come into play for the senior guys. Like I'm sure senior officers would argue with me, but I was the lower enlisted. Um, so uh, effective networking was never a thing, and I really didn't learn any proper social skills. In fact, I got the opposite. Mm-hmm. I got um, detrimental social skills from the Army, I'd say. I had to refine those when I got out. <laughs> <laughs> you gotcha. Good. Okay. Well, that's really helpful. Well, this whole conversation has been super helpful, and I know this has been rough going for you because it's tough in all – Tough for almost everybody, but it's certainly been yes. rough for you with your uh, business closing. And uh, yes. and I feel confident you're going to have another business going pretty soon. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have at least one. Find out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep you updated for sure. Oh, thank you, thank you. I really mm-hmm. need that. I need to know what's going on. Um, well, <laughs> thanks very much. This has been great. Thank you, Jamie. Hey, thank you for having me, Amanda.